Warren Life Center. How are we doing? Who's glad to be here today? Come on. Thank you, worship team. They're just, they're just awesome. I want to thank them for what they do, the time and practice they put in outside of here. Uh, and it's, they bless us every single Sunday. And I want to say thank you. I also want to say thank you to our awesome team that showed up yesterday. We worked here from 9 to 1 yesterday, and man, we moved a mountain of trash. If you don't believe me, we didn't have any help filling that dumpster up. That's all us. No neighbors contributed to that pile of stuff in that dumpster. It all came out of this place. And uh, <laughs> if you were here, thank you for helping us. Thank you for helping us do what we do, and we appreciate our dream team. Amen. New series today. Who had fun with The Walking Dead? Anybody? You know, at times, that, that whole thing about us becoming dead, Christ living in us, and what, what that requires of us, sometimes that, that just inconveniences us to no end. But uh, there's major growth to be had there, so I, I, I had a, a ball with that. And I'm excited about this series. Um, I believe it's going to grow us. I believe it's going to move us closer to God and what he has for us. You can know by now our series is called Blessed. And I, I heard um, a question a couple of weeks ago on a book I was listening to on my commute. And it said, am I blessable? And if on the surface we would, you know, our knee jerk to that said, yeah, I'm a pretty okay person. I'm, I'm blessable, right? We like to think of ourselves in, in good terms and yeah, I go to church, I love Jesus, and I'm nice to people, of course I'm blessable. And that's, that's the general reaction we want to have about ourselves. But think about this in terms of uh, a biblical principle standpoint. Am, am I in a position for God to bless me with what he's reserved for me? Because I believe that God has reserved blessings for every person in this room. Yes. Do you believe that? You're not on God's naughty list. You're not uh, uh, the, the black sheep of the family. None of that stuff. You, you, God has blessings reserved for every single one of us. The question is, are we blessable? And are we positioned biblically to receive what God has for us? In this series, we're going to uncover this. We're going to talk about it. And we're going to see, am I practicing the principles outlined for me in God's word that precede the blessings of God? Am I going my own way and doing my own thing? Am I ignoring this part of my relationship with Jesus? Am I properly positioned for what God has for me? And this is huge. Uh, Do I have a mindset that is blessable? Do I have a mindset that's blessable? We're going to answer these questions and we're going to take a a, a bit of a step backwards. Last November, we, we did a series called The Best Life. And we talked about the heart. We talked about generosity. We talked about all these things. But that's, that's what we do. We're going to take a step back today. We're going to talk about our mindset. But we're going to talk about building a foundation, about drilling down and building a foundation. Anything you build must have a solid foundation. It's got to be there. And we're going to go there today. First, I believe this. Believers, Christians, followers of Jesus, we should be, everybody say I. I should be the most generous givers. Who believes that? I'm not just talking about what you give the church. I'm talking about across the board in my life. I should be a giver of things, of time, of talent, of treasure, not to get. 
there's, there's a whole segment of, of God's word that has been distorted and has been manipulated for people's personal gain. That if you send a hundred bucks, you're going to get a thousand. That if you sow 10%, you're going to reap 100%. All this kind of stuff, that's a principle called giving to get. And that's not what God's word is all about. That's not what his word is all We don't give to get. We give out of gratitude to God for who he is and what he's done in our lives and for saving us. But in all of this, in, in all of talking about stewardship and giving and all this stuff, there's one principle that we never really consider. And that's that we must have to give. Think about that. You can't give what you don't have. You must have in order to give. So in what we're going to do, what we're going to do this whole month is we're going to focus on how to have. I just got like everybody back on board right there. <laughs> that's the key. We're going to talk about how to have. How's that? Yeah, Pastor, let's go. Let's do this. Let's, I'm excited. How to have? How can I have more? That's the whole key. And I, my prayer is that after today and after this series, that you will be on the road to having more, but that you'll also be on the road to giving more. And this is not about manipulating money out of your pocket to the church. I want you to give in every single area of your life. Is that okay? Let's pause for a minute. Everybody close your eyes. This is not early altar call. No, we're not done that quick. We're going to focus for a minute. Picture this. Close your eyes. As vividly and as with as much detail as you can muster right this moment, and as much focus as you can have, squirrel, think about, think about what it would be like. Think about what it would be like to live without financial pressure. Somebody just fell out. I'm, I'm joking. Picture a life where you bless others where and when the Holy Spirit tells you to. Think about that. Now open your eyes. Who, who in, the, in that moment where you picture a life without financial pressure, where you could walk up to somebody and bless someone wherever God told you to do it, who, who kind of let out a sigh or felt your shoulders kind of sag a little bit because you felt like pressure or, or a weight would be lifted off of you. Anybody? I got one hand, two hands. I got a few hands. I got some honest people in the house. Thank you. Jesus loves you. Um, we, we live under this, this immense burden of financial pressure. And in a life, if we, if we can picture that, of what that would feel like to not worry about money when we wake up every single morning. But some of us are in so deep that we can't even make that mental journey to imagine a life with no financial pressure. Imagine a life where you're, the highlight of your day might be walking up to somebody in a store, maybe somebody that's, that's like counting their dollars or, or pulling the coupons out of their purse to, to see how much money they can get off and just handing them 50 bucks and saying, Jesus loves you. And you're not worrying about it because you're okay to do that. That's just who you are. It's part of your lifestyle. That would feel pretty good, wouldn't it? And, and a lot of us would say it'd be pretty good to be on the receiving end of that. Something like that happened to my wife this, this summer. She was at a store, and she was shopping for supplies and decorations for a classroom, and she was going through and picking up stuff, and this, this dude walked up and handed her just a folded-up bill, and she texted me. 
And she said, some guy just woke up in the store and handed me money. I said, look out for traffickers. <laughs> I'm not lying. I, I text that. I'm like, it could be a trap. Be aware of your surroundings. Look and see what's going on. See, see how tainted we are by our world? And I was dead serious. I wasn't playing. I'm not playing right now. We're tainted by the evil and the hate in our world and people that we, we, we read about all this stuff and human trafficking is very real and we have to be aware of what's going on around us. But I'm like, you're a pretty woman. She gets hit on all the time. I'm like, you're, you're, you're attractive and you got to be careful and aware of your surroundings and what's going on around you. Be careful. But she got to the cash register and her, her items rang up to like $43, $44, something like that. It wasn't a ton. But she unfolded the money that the guy had given her. It was 50 bucks. It covered what she was buying. And it bought her a McDonald's Coke or something. That's because he was in a store looking for some. I don't know what his background is. I don't know if he, if he even believes in Jesus. Maybe he just wanted to bless somebody. But he was in a store looking for somebody to hand money to, and it just happened to be her. And that was for days. For days, she talked about that experience because it blessed her, because somebody was generous. But that man, whoever he is, don't know, never saw him again, he had to have something to give something. And he had to have a mindset that was not only blessable for him to receive blessings, but a mindset that was blessable for him to bless somebody else. See, it's not about just what we receive. It's not about just us having. It's not about just us positioning ourselves for God to bless us and give us more and more and more and for us to retain more and more and more. It's about when he blesses us, we can bless somebody else. Because we're blessed to be a we're blessed to be a blessing. See, uh, the, the, our, our human nature is we want blessings so we can be blessed. And we want to have more. And we want to store more. We can store a lot of stuff as was witnessed yesterday. <laughs> that dumpster. Not all that stuff is trash, but we just can't keep it anymore. Something had to be, we hoard things and we hold on to things and we have to not only change our mindset and the principles in our life to be blessed, but to be a blessing. Is that okay? Imagine not getting this worried feeling in your gut when you hear the word retirement. Imagine when you hear the word retirement, you look forward to it instead of like, oh, I'm not sure, I'm, I'll, I'll never be ready for that day. You don't have to raise your hands, but who's ever said I'll never be able to retire? <laughs> we've said those things we felt those things and when when those words are mentioned we it makes us feel these feelings and we don't want the anxiety or the angst that comes with those feelings imagine that life and some of you are here are retired and you've done well and congratulations us younger people should sit at your feet and learn from you but many times we're just too proud or too set in our ways or we want what we want what does Dave Ramsey say? Who, know, who knows Dave, Ram Dave Ramsey? Some of us do. He said, I'm going to live like no one else today so that later I can live like no one else. Does that make sense? I'm going to be conservative today in what I do and what I spend and how I, I treat my finances. I'm going to be conservative today so that when it's time for me to retire, 
I don't have to worry about it. That's what he's talking about. That I don't have to worry about where the money's coming from because I'm, I've already taken care of that. I'm going to live. I'm not going to have the newest car. I may not have the iPhone 11, whatever it is, with three cameras on the back. I may not have the Samsung 82-inch 4K UH, whatever it is, TV. I may have the old 27-inch 500-pound TV in my house. Who still got one? Nobody. See? Nobody. I may not have the latest, the greatest, the best, and the most expensive, but I'm planning. I'm living a lifestyle that will let me live later like no one else in my peer group. And we have some people like that today, so congratulations to you. It would be great if y'all have a small group and teach us how to do that. Imagine not being triggered when you hear the name of the company that you're currently late to. Or, or the, 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 the name of the company that you got a bill coming up and you don't know how you're going to pay it. Who's ever, ha- who's ever, never mind. We've never been triggered like that before, have we? Where we have that. <gasps> Imagine not having those feelings. Imagine not having more month than money. We've all been there at one point. What if you could experience a life of maximum impact and minimal financial stress? The good news is you can. Everybody say, I can. For four easy payments of (laughs) $49.99. I'm joking. I'm joking. Anyone can have this. Anyone. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, how much money you have or don't have. Anyone can have this. It starts by living within your means. It starts by living within your means. And we're going to dig into the why and how of doing just that, not just today, but all through this series. It's not just about giving tithes and offerings, although that is a good place to start because you can't be blessed unless you do that. Anyone can have this. You don't have to have a special degree. You just need a surrendered, humble heart and a willingness to embrace biblical wisdom. In the, the chapter in Proverbs 31 of the virtuous woman, it, it talks about her, and, and I think it's verse 24, 25, somewhere in there. It's not coming up, but it says she smiles at the days ahead. She smiles at the thought of the future because she's prepared, because she's got things in order, and that's where I believe believers should be. We need to embrace biblical wisdom. Henry David Thoreau wrote this, that if you build a castle in the air, it's all hypothetical, of course. If you build a castle in the air, that's okay. It doesn't have to be destroyed. Just put a foundation under it. Just put a foundation under it. We built that castle in the air a few minutes ago when we, when we thought about the possibility of not having financial stress in our life and not being worried every time we hear the word retirement or, or certain companies that we owe money to. Now we're going to put a foundation under it. The foundation is the word of God, and the foundation is stewardship. That's what it is. So who's still ready to go forward? Anybody? This is, this is bedrock. This is fundamental thought. Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't fall into the trap that society sets for us. But be transformed how? By just your actions? No. By renewing your mind. Then you'll able, be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is how it will be changed. This mental shift brings physical change. 
You can, you can alter your behavior. You can do behavior modification on certain things, and you can, you can be good for a while. But to have true, lifelong, lasting change requires a mental shift. And this is what Romans is talking about right here, is that we have to change our mindset about this. And I'm going to challenge us today with two questions. The first one is this. Whose am I? Whose am I? Your spouse might look at, look at you and say, you're mine. Or your boyfriend or girlfriend, especially in, in teenage years, you're mine. Nobody else's. I'm jealous, right? But whose am I? To whom do I belong? The easy answer is this. Easy button, boom. We belong to God. We belong to God. 1 Corinthians 6 says this. Do you not know that your bodies, my body, is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Everybody say, I'm his. I'm his. his. You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. You're bought with a price, at a price. Honor God with your bodies. Saying yes to Jesus means we surrender our lives to him. Everything. Every part of us, everything we are, everything that we're going to be, we surrender ourselves to him. Luke 17, says this, whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. It sounds weird. It sounds mixed up. But going back to our October series, we become walking dead people. We give up our life. We give up our rights. We give up our everything to follow Jesus, although we do get the better end of the deal. I think you would agree with that. In the great exchange of the cross, we get rid of a broken, sin-marred, guilt-soaked life. We get rid of an eternity in hell. Heaven is real. Hell is real. We get rid of that. In return, we get wholeness. We get peace. We get a clean conscience. Who's thankful for that? Who's thankful for a clean conscience today that you can say, I don't have to be who I used to be and I've been forgiven of what I did and who I was? That's amazing. We get meaning and purpose along with eternity in heaven. We win and we like to win. Who's hoping we win tonight? Yeah. I use the word we loosely. We are not on the field. If we were, we would all be trampled underfoot. Let's just put that out there. This is a broader principle in that passage from Luke. We'll we'll lose the things that we, out of selfishness or insecurity or greed, the things that we try to hold on to, we will lose those. But the things that we release to God come back to us many times over. Who can honestly say in here that you've released something to God, you've given it to him, it's something that you valued, it's something that you wanted, something that you worked hard, you released it to God and it came back to you many times over? Some of you can. Two, three, four, a couple. Once we settle the issue that we belong to God, once we settle that issue in our mind and in our heart that I belong to Jesus, there's a related ownership question. That we must settle in our hearts and minds. And that's the second question I'm going to ask you today. And if you don't get this, the next three weeks don't matter. So go watch football. No, I'm not. No, I'm joking. (laughs) But if we don't get this, we're not going to get in the next three weeks what, what we need to get. It's that serious. But what about the stuff? 
If I'm God's, if I belong to him, what about my stuff? What about my stuff? If we're here, if, if we're his, what about our cars, our houses, our clothes, our electronics, our other possessions? What about all that stuff? The answer to this question represents the foundational and fundamental issues that we're dealing with of stewardship that leads to a blessed life. The easy answer is that God owns it all. If you were here uh, just after 9 o'clock, we were having our prayer time, and we have different topics we pray about for 30 minutes, and Tawana got up and was talking about life kids and, and, and resources and all that stuff, and she said that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I'm like, you go ahead. We're about to read that in a little while. So here we go. The easy answer is that God owns it all. So bring in all your valuables next week. We cleaned out a space upstairs. It's all in the dumpster, and we're going to put it up there. I got to mess with y'all a little bit because you're sitting there all serious and stoic like I'm about to ask for your retirement. I'm not going to do any of that. It's not going to happen. I'm, I'm trying to get us positioned where God can extravagantly bless us. I, my, my goal, my prayer, my, my soul's desire about our church is that everyone that, that is part of Life Center will be extravagantly blessed. That's, that's my goal and my prayer because if we're not blessed, we can't bless other people. I want every person here to be blessed. Psalm 24 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And he gets a little more specific in Psalm 50. For every animal of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. Think about that for a minute. I walked out my yard a couple weeks ago and mosquitoes just started popping up out of the grass. I couldn't count them. I don't know what's going on, but I couldn't count them. He knows every one of those. They're his. He can have them. Bloodsuckers. If I were hungry... I would not tell you. He doesn't need to. For the world is mine and all that is in it. See the water? Mine. The birds? Mine. The deer? Mine. Sounds like a two-year-old. The world and everything in it? Mine. I made it. Our trite response to this is, yes, all nature belongs to God. He is sovereign in all things. He created all things. But not my iPhone. If you have a diamond ring on your finger, it's his. The silver, the gold, and the diamond all came from where? The earth. You see where this is going, right? You see where this is going. Your money that you have in your wallet or your money clip or, or whatever, guess what it's made from? A tree. For a while, we still have paper money. It's made from a tree. Guess whose the tree is? His. The steel car you drive, where'd that come from? It's his. The rubber tires you drive on, where'd that come from? A tree. That's his. Y'all see, right? The coffee you had this morning to wake you up, where'd that come from? Sprung right from the dirt. Guess whose it is? It's his. Your wood frame house, guess where it came from? Trees that he created, that he numbered. It's his too. And yes, your amazing iPhone, 
is his too. For one, it has a lithium battery. Li on the periodic table, atomic number three, it's his. Think about it. Everything we do, everything we have, everything we want, everything we aspire to be or possess, is it all comes from him. And that's why when the scripture says everything in the world, everything I created is mine, and that means everything that we possess is his. There's nothing that we have that he did not create. It's all his. And he lets us enjoy it all. How awesome is our God. Because see, this is in direct, stark contrast to our nature. One of the first words that we learn besides mama or dada and no is mine. It's one of the first things that we learn to say. And, and, and little kids learn this word, and they'll have something, or they'll be trying to take something from somebody, and they'll say mine, and they'll jerk it like this and hold it back away from somebody. If you're an adult and you do that, stop. It's not a good look. <laughs> but as kids, we learn this, and we feel these emotions that this is mine, and you can't have it. I'm not going to let it go. It's, it's whose? It's mine. And, and it starts as a child, and it works up, and we go, and we go, and we go, and we go, and we have more and more because we're broken, we're fearful, and we have this grasping spirit to have everything that we can have and hold on to it and not to share it. We have this dread of not having enough. We have a dread of running out, or God forbid that somebody has more than us, or somebody has more name brands than we do or better name brands, or a bigger house, or a newer car. We have this dread of this competition. If you don't believe me, here, I'm going to give you homework. I dare you, I dare you to go home. I dare you to go home and count T-shirts, pants, shoes, dresses, sweaters, leggings, And whatever else it is that you have a lot of, I dare you to go home and count those things. Somebody said, if you love to fish, I dare you you to go home and count your fishing rods. My grandfather, man, when he was alive, he loved to fish. He had this bass boat back in the 70s, and and we'd go fishing. And when I go fishing now, I like to have maybe two rods and reels and a, a little box of stuff to go fishing. Just go light, go, get it done, and come home. But man, when it came time to go fishing with him... There were six or eight fishing rods, and there were these suitcases. I'm talking like three or four suitcases of double-sided lures and supplies. And we had to load all that up and take it and carry it 1,000 yards to the lake or river, and it was just it was exhausting. Exhausting. But there was never enough. If you like fishing lures, they're only three or four bucks a piece. That's the thing. It's only, it's only $3.00. Well, by the time you do it 300 times, you've spent 900 bucks on fishing lures. You see, ladies, how I'm staying away from the clothes and stuff? That's cool, right? If your hobby is cars, man, that's an expensive hobby. I, I know. It is. It's a very expensive hobby. Whatever your hobby is, our eyes are never full. I thought this new mid-engine Corvette was just the most, one of the most beautiful things I've, I've ever seen in my life, just this gorgeous car, first mid-engine Corvette ever. And then they waited 45 days and came out with a convertible. What in the world? And see, they start this, 
they, they advertise this price of $60,000. And it, in, the, in the grand scheme of cars, for, for how fast it is and the design, it's, it's a bargain. Everybody's good. Nobody died. In, in the grand scheme of the world's economy, that's a bargain. But by the time you add this package and that package and this carbon fiber thing and, and this LED lights around the engine and all kinds, you're at $98,000. Because, see, we never, we never get enough. We, we never get enough. And this, this logic that I'm talking about is inescapable. If I'm his, then everything I have is his, and it's a mind, a mind shift that we're gonna, I'm going to talk more about and make it make sense in just a second. But what, what we read from Paul is that we know our bodies are on loan from God. Our bodies are his. We're temples of his spirit. And here's the paradigm shift that we must get. If God owns everything, if he's the owner of me, if he's the owner of all the stuff that I, that I have, then what am I? I'm a steward of those things. I'm not the owner. I'm the steward. And I'm about to tell you in a minute how that's going to help you out. If I'm a steward, what kind of steward am I? Am I a good steward? Am I not a good steward? Am I blessable based on how I steward what God has given me? Here's, here's what we know about money in America. 72% of, American, of, of Americans feel stressed about money. 22% are under extreme stress about money. That means they're about to lose a house or a car or they can't make their bills. 70%, 76% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. 50% of Americans have less than three months savings. And 25% of us have no savings whatsoever. I think that number's low. I think that 25% number's low based on conversations I've had. What does this lead to? It leads to heart disease. It leads to anxiety. It leads to stress. It leads to migraines. It leads to depression. It leads to mood disorders and all kinds of other issues, many of which can just straight kill you. God did not intend for us to live that way. We live in a prison of our own making, a circumstance that can be avoided. The sad thing is these statistics don't really change much for Christians because we have the same mindset as our non-Christian counterparts. Mine, mine, mine. And all of this unhappiness and suffering. Let me rephrase. Most of this unhappiness and this suffering is rooted in poor stewardship and a failure to recognize that all we have belongs to God. When we don't Understand this. He is not first in our lives. When we understand that God owns us and everything else, that he is first, and we, we go. But when we don't understand this, he is not first in our life. And what does the Bible call putting anything before God? It's called idolatry. If we understand that blessings come from releasing our stuff, at least in our minds, releasing it to God, why... Why do we hold on to stuff so tightly? Because we're afraid of, of lack or that somebody else is going to have more. We have a scarcity mentality that we don't want to do without or not have enough. And sometimes we're just straight selfish. 
When we don't have a revelation of God's faithfulness and his love, we feel solely responsible for everything. And Tawana gets me about this all the time. She's like, it's not your responsibility. I said, yes, it is. I'm responsible for everything. That's what I tell her sometimes. Because I feel like I am. But when we have the revelation of God's faithfulness, we won't feel solely responsible for everything. We worry, we stress, we hoard, and we spend. But when we realize his plan and we put him first, we are liberated. He brings freedom. And I'm going to show you how. Think about this. This is what we do. When we own a house... If you own a house in here, think about this. We're going to have a good contrast, a good, a good mix of what's going on right here. When we own a home, the upkeep and the maintenance are our responsibility. Right? If you own a house, you have to take care of it. When you rent a house, when you rent a home, the responsibility falls to the landlord. And if you are a landlord, you painfully understand this scenario. Here's the deal. Homeowners may lie awake at night worrying about the roof. The tenants never do. The tenants never do. We, we, when we lived in Kentucky for three years, we built a house. And we built it on, on top of a hill and there were woods around us. And there were some 60 and 80 foot pine trees all around our house. And they were like this perfect, this big but they were real spindly. And storms came through all the time. And man, those trees would just rock back and forth. And there were like 30 of them. They just rocked back and forth. And they were close to the house. And I just knew if, man, if those trees snapped, because they, they, they love to snap about 20 feet from the ground with, with the force of the wind. And that top part of that tree just flies over. And we had a couple happen in our front yard like that. They just fell over, they snapped halfway up and fell. And man, one night this storm was coming through and they were talking about tornadoes and wind and all this stuff. And I'm like, we'd already lost like two trees. And I'm like, I, I just know that if this storm comes through here like this, one of these trees is going to snap off and, and hit our brand new house. And I'm like, this can't happen. So I'm the homeowner. You know what I'm doing? I am standing on the front porch praying to God. I'm not lying. I am standing on the front porch in my bare feet in the middle of a storm, wind blowing, rain blowing up in the porch, and I'm praying to God, God, keep the trees up. God, keep the trees up. He did, but I'm the homeowner, and guess who was freaked out? I was, because it was mine, and I was responsible for the upkeep. I was responsible for the maintenance and everything else that went on with that house. Owners worry. Tenants simply pick up the phone and tell the landlord, that there's a problem. I'm about to relieve you of responsibility and stress. So be happy. They tell the landlord there's a problem and they wait for the repair to be complete. And guess what? If it doesn't happen soon enough, what do you do? You pick the phone up again and you call the landlord and say, come fix this mess. It's broken. See how this mindset and this mind shift can be freeing? we're talking about God owning everything and us not. Let's make this journey. 
If I own it, it's mine. I have to worry about it. I have to fix it. I have to be the one who takes care of it all. I have to be the one to stress and to worry and to have anxiety and headaches and sickness and heart attacks and strokes and all this stuff. That's all on me because I own it, because I'm responsible for it, because it is whose. It's mine. But man, when I realize that I am his and my stuff is his and my future is his, Come on, let's make this trip. When I realize who everything really belongs to and who is really responsible for it all, how freeing is that? Do I still have to work? Yes, I do. Do I have to be a good steward and a smart spender? Yes, I do. But guess what? He's responsible for the details. When it's broken, I don't have to stress about it. I can pick up the phone and say, Jesus, guess what? It's broken. Fix it. Maybe not in that terminology, in that verbiage. But Lord, I need help over here. This is not working out. Show me what to do. And typically, he's not going to drop a thousand bucks in your pocket. He's going to give you a side job or something to fill the gap. But whatever the gap filler is, it's going to be coming from him because you know you are his. You gave everything to him. And what's coming now is coming from him. And guess whose it is? It's his. I'm not responsible. I can let go It's not mine. The battle is the Lord's. Some of you need to hear this. You need to get this in your spirit because you're hurting and you're stressed out and you've been living by what you've been taught your whole life from society and it's jacked up. It's not what the world teaches you, what society teaches you is not what the Lord wants you to live by. It's not. Here's the deal. Being good with money is not just creative spending. If you have $1,000 and you spend $999.99, that doesn't mean you're good with money. It just means you're a creative spender. That's all that means. And society has taught us. How many financial classes are taught in school? How many classes are taught about retirement accounts and investing and all the things that we should be doing to be good stewards of our money? Very few. Consumerism rules the day. I remember, I'm going to date myself, but some of you are older than me. But I remember when a long car loan was 36 months. And then it went to 48 and then, man, it was stretching it. You, you can go five whole years and finance this car on these payments, and, man, you can be driving the nicest thing. You can, you can now step up from cloth to leather because you can finance five years instead of six. Well, now you can finance a car for seven years. So you can have more. So you can have more. The problem is we fall into this trap of consumerism and instead of living like no one else now so we can live like no one else later, we live like everybody else right now and we're going to live like everybody else later. I'm trying to give us a different mindset. When I have ownership of it, I'm going to mess it up. But when I realize I'm a steward, when I realize I'm a steward, I don't have to worry. Because the owner side, I'm taking care of it. I'm watching over it. I'm, it's mine. But when I'm a steward, I'm just managing. I'm just taking care of it. I don't have to worry. And when we concede ownership of all we are, all we do, 
and all we own to him. That's when we orient ourselves in the proper spiritual alignment, and the reality is that's what, that's what he created us to live in. And the byproduct of that is this. Areas of our life where you didn't even know were had shifted. Areas of your life where you didn't know were weak will start shifting into place. Your relationship with God is going to flourish. Your faith is going to increase. You're going to be blessed. And this is the foundation for being a good steward. And this is who you want to be. Because the hard and the harsh reality is this. God cannot bless a bad steward. God's blessings upon a poor steward will destroy that person. It will inflict on damage on the people around that person. Think about lottery winners. How many, how many lottery winners are broke within three years? I know there are exceptions to the rule, but the bad steward will just buy more stuff. It's like our standard of living increases with every raise we get. Our standard of living increases with every raise, every bonus. We ratchet up and ratchet up and ratchet up. But our generosity, our 401k, our IRA aren't feeling the same love that our big screens and cars are. Let's just be real. That's how we're programmed. The big screen store will give you a two for one. You buy a 60 inch, they'll give you a 40 inch. Man, what? who would not want to do that? It's a trap. I'm not saying don't buy a TV when you need one. Go buy a TV. If you need a car, go buy a car. But don't fall into the trap of having to max out everything you have to have the best of what the world offers. Talk to Jesus about it. Today I pray that you'll realize and you'll understand and that you'll acknowledge that you're his and that every single thing that you have is his. But that you are the caretaker of it. If we get this, our mindset about economics in our life will completely change. And this is the foundation for blessing in your life. God, I'm yours. I've given my life to you. I am yours. Plain and simple. No questions. No questions. I am yours. And I realize that everything in this world is yours. And if I'm yours, everything I have is yours. Let's stand together. This is crucial. This is mindset. This is foundation. But the, the deal is this. It's not just for today. It's not just for this moment. But it's for tomorrow. It's for next week. It's for next month. It's for next year when you get your huge bonus, whatever it is, or when you get your raise. But bigger than that, it's for the next generation because the values you put in your family about your finances and about your relationship with Jesus will carry on for generations and generations and generations. This is mindset. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind, by getting rid of the mindset that society's given me and adopting the mindset and the principles that the Word of God teaches me. 
This is the mindset that can change your life. This is the mindset that can take you from worrying and stressing and having anxiety to a mindset of peace. That mental picture that I ask you to create at the beginning of of, of this today of not having financial stress in your life. This is the first step. This is the first step. If you're young in this room, if you're under 25 years old, you have an advantage on everybody else in this room. If you're under 25 years old, you can get this today and you won't have to worry about all the stuff I've been talking about. All this stress and anxiety and consumerism, you won't have to deal with it. You have an advantage. And if you're here today and you're older and, and, and you've, you're more wise and you've retired and you're set up and you don't have to brag, but you can teach some of us younger people how to live like that. And you can mentor some people and help some people through struggles and stress and how to lay that down and how not to live that way and how to resist urges to have more and resist urges to have the biggest and the best and the newest and the greatest and the latest. Because Satan wants nothing more for your life than for you to be burdened and bound and chained by financial oppression. It's the biggest cause for divorce. It is the biggest cause for divorce. Why do you think it's such a big tool of Satan's? Because he can destroy homes, which destroys generations. Oh, come on, somebody. This is not about me getting your money. It's not about, this is not about us getting it. This is about you understanding who God is to you. It's about you understanding that he wants to give you more than you have. But we have to start with understanding who he is and, and, and what role he does play in our life and, and, and what he can do to help us. Get this today. This is the first step to freedom. Let's shift together. Let's do this together and let's build on this foundation to blessing. I'll be honest with you. I was raised going to church since I was this big. I wasn't taught this. Ever. School doesn't teach it. Church didn't used to teach it. But let's get this. Let's, let, let's really let him be Lord. Let's let him be who he is in our life and realize, God, I know I'm yours. I am your temple. I know you live here. I know I'm a caretaker of this temple. I have it on loan for what? In most cases, 60, 80, 85 years, somewhere in there. That's how long we have this temple for. This is just a temporary landing spot for us. What this is really gearing us up for is eternity with him. And man, when we understand that everything is his and we begin to let him flow through us, we're going to have more than we've ever had before, but we're going to give more than we've ever given before. And as we do that and allow God to flow through us, and you walk up to somebody in a grocery store and hand them 50 bucks to help with their groceries, you know what you're doing? It's gone at that point. It's not your responsibility anymore. Well, they might not use it for a good thing. Who cares? It's yours. Let it, it's not yours. Let it go. 
you are laying treasures up in heaven. And that's what our goal is. My prayer is this, that we can be relieved of financial oppression, of lack, of the worry of lack, and the mindset of consumerism that we have to have the newest, latest, greatest, awesome, most awesome thing to the point. There's nothing wrong with having good things. Don't, don't twist this. Nothing wrong with having good things, but having good things to the point where it compromises our ability for God to use us, and it compromises our peace. That's where it starts to, it starts to derail us. We shouldn't be stressed about how to have the latest, greatest, most awesome, most awesome thing. So chew on this. Let this be digested into your spirit that we are his and that everything we have is his. And when we, put, when we adopt this and let this become part of who we are, it's going to change our life and position us for God to bless us even more than he already has. So let's walk in this, let's own this, and let's start being a renter and not an owner. Is that okay? God bless y'all. Have a great week. Have a great week.